Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about the 12 arguments for Christianity, the 12 arguments for Christianity. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. And these arguments are sometimes also entitled the 12 points of Christianity, uh, 12 points of Christianity. And this particular topic deals with um, arguments that we as Christians can use to relate to others why we believe what we believe. So these are our position as it relates to why we believe what we believe, and it was compiled by the late great uh, Christian theologian, Dr. Norman Geisler, who was my mentor and who assisted me throughout the years uh, with learning more about how to defend my faith. And it was due to him that I was able to get to seminary and uh, be filled with additional wisdom that I needed to share the faith and to defend the faith and to learn theology proper through uh, his seminary. And so I am indebted to the late, great Dr. Norman Geisler for all of his work and for uh, spending time with me and for mentoring me in the area of Christian apologetics. Now, when this show first uh, aired in the early years, uh, Dr. Geisler was kind enough to come on the show and to share with me, or share with the audience, rather, his 12 points for Christianity. And it was refined in terms of his years of putting this together. Um, It's focused, and it's doctrinal. And, of course, um, it is filled with uh, philosophical positions as it relates to using our minds to relay the truth of the gospel. 
when we are saved, um, we as Christians, of course, are emotive, meaning that our emotions are involved, but also uh, God created us as cerebral beings uh, where he wants us to use our minds. And this is uh, the whole point of Romans, the 12th chapter, as Paul is dealing with pettiness in the church, um, issues between Gentiles and Jews. And in this, in this context where he challenges them, uh, that God is not looking for dead sacrifices. God is looking for a living sacrifice. And in order to fulfill that living sacrifice, we have to be transformed. And this is the whole point of Romans chapter 12, where he says, um, um, be there transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and acceptable perfect, and perfect will of God, which is your reasonable service. And so that transformation of the mind is what God uh, challenges all of us to do, is to use our mind for the glory of God. So just because you are a Christian doesn't mean you can't be a scientist, doesn't mean that you can't be a philosopher, doesn't mean that you have to check your brains uh, at the door, as the old classical apologetics book talks about. We as Christians, all of us, God wants us to give over to him uh, our feet, our eyes, our body, and, of course, our mind. So all of that should be transformed uh, to God. And also, even when we read the passages that talks about, look, God, with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, uh, that's what I call cerebral worship. So in the area of apologetics, God is calling all of you, all of you that are listening to me, uh, to be ready. Use your mind. Use the intellect that God has given you. Uh, that, that he may use it for your edification and also to bring others into the fold. So the 12 arguments. Dr. Geisler uh, often talks about uh, how he uh, came up with the 12 arguments for Christianity. And um, he talks about it in, the, in a joking way uh, where he said in his early years he was challenged by Mormons. He was challenged by Jehovah Witnesses. He was challenged even by a drunk uh, who was um, trying to prove to him that he should not be witnessing. And uh, he pointed to the passage in John where Jesus uh, uh, tells the individual uh, to go uh, and tell no one. I believe he's talking about John chapter 5 uh, when he, when he uh, healed uh, the individual. But this drunk was taking it out of context. Uh, for if we were to not go and tell anyone about Jesus, then there wouldn't be any such thing as discipleship. There wouldn't be any such thing as evangelism. There wouldn't be any such thing as giving away our faith. So it's very important that uh, we interpret Scripture correctly and to be able to defend the truth of the gospel. So now to our topic, the 12 arguments for Christianity. Number one, Dr. Geisler says, the truth about reality is knowable. The truth about reality is knowable. That's number one. And by the way, uh, while I'm on this, uh, if you would like a copy or uh, more information about the 12 arguments for Christianity, you can go on Dr. Uh, Norman Geisler's website. Uh, I believe it's NGIM. And um, you can get a bookmark of uh, these 12 arguments and uh, if you rather just contact me, info at srministries.org, info at srministries.org, I can make sure that you get 
uh, this information on the 12 arguments for Christianity. So, the number one is the truth about reality is knowable, meaning that we can know the truth. There are some people who say um, we can't know the truth, believe it or not. And then our response to them should be, is that true? If you want us to believe that absolutely, but you're saying that absolute truth doesn't exist, well, is that true? Truth is objective, right? What is truth? Uh, and we say in philosophical surface, uh, circles, truth is that which corresponds to its object. In other words, truth is telling something like it is. Now, how do we know the truth? We can know the truth through our senses that God has given us. We can know the truth through our experience. So those individuals that are called relativists uh, say that truth is changing. In other words, my truth does not have to be your truth um, what a chaotic world this would be if there were no objective truth, meaning you just create your own truth. That's not sustainable, and that's not feasible. There has to be an absolute truth. There has to be a standard by which we can compare um, what we're doing and how we're doing it. So um, relativists eventually find themselves uh, contradicting their own statements, uh, in this whole thing of we can come up with our own truth. Eventually, they'll, they'll have to stand on something that's absolute. And then once they do that, then you can point out to them that absolute truth does exist. Now, the question is, um, how are you defining absolute truth? Is it absolute truth based on God's standard, or is it absolute truth uh, based on your own standards? So we need to make that distinction. Then atheists may say there's no evidence for truth. Um, in response to this statement, just because there's no evidence for a true premise does not um, mean it is not true. So, so what we're saying is something can still be true, if, even if there's no immediate evidence to support it. Something can still be true, even if there's no uh, immediate evidence to support it. Then number two, the opposite of truth is false. We're going over the 12 arguments for Christianity. The first one is the truth about reality is noble. The second one is the opposite of truth is false. And you may see that as comical, but we have to make that statement. The opposite of truth is indeed false. In order to prove uh, the point, we will use the following law of first principle. The law of first principle uh, encompasses two premises. It encompasses the law of non-contradiction, which we've talked about before, uh, and the law of excluded middle. I'm not going to highlight that. But the law of non-contradiction basically says that two opposite statements cannot be both true at the same time in the same sense. So to say Jesus is the only way is not the same as saying Jesus is one of the ways. Those two statements are contradictory and violates the law of non-contradiction. A woman is either pregnant or not pregnant. A woman can't be kind of pregnant. So either Jesus is the way or Jesus is not the way. It has to be one. It can't be both. And there are those who are trying to encompass uh, the Christian faith with other religions and other organizations that are contradictory to the Bible and claiming that we're all worshiping the same thing and that is a violation of the law of non-contradiction. Number three, let us take a break to recognize our sponsors. 
and we'll be right back. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. It is true that the theistic God exists. It is true that the theistic God exists. And in order to prove the existence for the theistic God, um, we can use the acronym SURGE. S-U-R-G-E. And again, these arguments come from the late Dr. Norman Geisler, and it's rooted in truth. Uh, So I just wanted to uh, share this with all of you. If you would like to hear the interview that I did with Dr. Geisler, um, go on to Sound Reasoning Ministry uh, podcast. Um, July 6, 2014 was the original air date, July 6, 2014, and you'll see or rather hear uh, my dialogue with Dr. Geisler. And so we use the acronym SURGE, and S stands for the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, the first law states that the earth was created with a finite sum of usable, uh, usable energy. The second law, however, says um, the claim that we are losing energy, uh, that's uh, someone have had to have created the initial amount of usable energy. So the second law of thermodynamics dynamics is basically saying we're usable, we're using, or, or um, usable energy is decreasing. So if we rewind the tape, that means there was a time where the energy was more full. So who put that full energy there? That's the argument we're making. If, you, if, if the amount of usable energy is decreasing, then it had a starting point, and that starting point of, of energy being more was put there by God. That's our argument. Where did it start and who started it? So that's uh, S stands for the second law of thermodynamics. U stands for the universe is expanding. So according to science, the earth seemed to be expanding. And the argument that we make as Christian is if the earth is expanding, think of it like a balloon, then who um, put it there in the first place before it started expanding? So it's not static. There was a time where some scientists thought that the universe was static, uh, that it it was always in the same shape. It was always in the same dimension. And then through further study, they've learned that the universe is expanding. So it had to have a starting point. And we as Christians argue the person who started it is God. And then R stands for radiation echo discovered by Penzio and Wilson in 1978. Uh, their antennas picked up radiation from the original um, creation of the universe. Penzio and Wilson received a Nobel Prize for this discovery. 
This uh, find is very important because uh, earlier scientists had speculated that if the earth had a beginning through the um, through what they call the Big Bang, then there should be after effects around uh, or still around. And this discovery of faint radiation uh, echoes supported the idea of the earth coming into uh, existence. So again, this radiation echo further uh, buttressed the point that when God said, let's, let's uh, create, when God created, then um, there were a big explosion and these remnants, part of it is part, is part of this radiation echo that was picked up. So, so far we've dealt with one, two, and three. Number one, the truth about reality is knowable. Number two, the opposite of truth is false, and that's simple enough. Number three, it is true that a theistic God exists, and we use the acronym uh, SURGE to uh, buttress that point. And number four, if the theistic God exists, then miracles are possible. If the theistic God exists, then miracles are possible. In the early 1600s, Benedict uh, Spinoza he formulated the following argument. He said that miracles violate natural law. Again, this is human reasoning. Number two, he said natural laws are immutable, meaning not changing. They're fixed. Number three, he said it's impossible to violate natural law, which is not true. Uh, number four, therefore miracles are possible, are not possible. Um, but first of all, who says natural laws are mutable, non-changing? Secondly, natural laws only refer to incidents in nature that occur repeatedly dealing with the four major scientific areas, uh, such as gravity, uh, magneticism, uh, high nuclear, low uh, nuclear energy. Uh, moreover, natural laws can be overpowered. For example, um, if, if you look at this, Natural laws can be interrupted. If you throw a ball up in the air, gravity is supposed to pull it down to the ground, but you can interrupt natural law if you take a baseball glove, an example, or even your own bare hands, and you stop it from hitting the ground. So it can be interrupted. Um, flying an airplane violates natural law. Astronauts uh, that take the shuttle to the moon violate natural law because they're supposed to come crashing down uh, if you just leave it up to natural law. Uh, when the baseball is hit, players catch, catch uh, the ball. As I just gave that illustration. So uh, Spinoza was biased in his uh, philosophy and his syllogism and is based on his a prior view of miracles. And, and, and a lot of times people are uh, anti-miracle in terms of their philosophy. So their arguments are based on a preconceived notion, not based on objectivity. Number five, miracles can be used by God to confirm his message. Uh, Hebrews 2 verses 3 through 4 is an example. So it's evident through uh, ancient letters uh, when we talk about the Bible um, composed by, especially the New Testament, composed by nine authors that can, uh, that can and has used miracles to confirm his message. The author of Hebrews corroborate this point in the second chapter when he, when he writes, God confirmed his message 
and messenger by using signs and wonders. So miracles can be used by God to confirm his message. When you look at the story of Moses, that's what God did. God used Moses to confirm his message and to confirm his messenger. Number six, the New Testament documents are historically reliable. And I wish I had time to... um, break down all the reasons why the New Testament texts are historically reliable. Uh, That's a few episodes by itself, that one topic. But for our case today, the New Testament texts are reliable, meaning uh, we have early authorship, we have eyewitness testimony, we have external sources, we have archaeology, we have multiple ancient manuscripts, we have, um, it contains history that's accurate. So the New Testament texts or documents are historically reliable. And we're going through the 12 points of Christianity. So that's number six. Number seven, the New Testament says Jesus claimed to be the son of God. You can look at uh, Mark 14, 61 through 64, Matthew 11 through 17, Matthew 11, verse 17, rather, um, Jesus uh, made the religious leaders upset, even in John uh, 8.58, when he said, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, John's commentary, John states that the reason why they took up stones to try to kill Jesus is because he was making himself equal to, uh, to God. The religious leaders knew what Jesus was saying when he said, before Abraham was, I am. That title had, uh, was not to be used by any human um, because it's equated with, the, uh, with, with God in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3. And when uh, Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? And God said, tell him I am sent you. So ever since that time, that title had been reserved for God. But here Jesus is saying, I am God. I'm God the Son. So, um, Paul reminds us uh, that Jesus didn't see it as robbery to be equal with God, meaning that you can't steal what's already yours. And so, um, this whole thing of Jesus claiming to be God, it's, it's, it's a doctrinal position that's accurate. Uh, all through the New Testament, you, you, you see uh, Jesus showing his godness, Jesus receiving worship. Uh, Jesus creating, Jesus healing, um, Jesus is God, the Son. So, number seven was the New Testament said Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. Then number eight, Jesus claimed to be the Son of God was miraculously confirmed by, number one, fulfillment of prophecies about himself, meaning that there are prophecies uh, about Jesus. Number two, his sinless and miraculous life. Jesus was sinless. And his life was miraculous. Number three, his fulfillment of predictions and accomplishments about his resurrection. So that's important. And so that is the argument that Jesus claimed to be the son of God and um, his life was uh, miraculous and sinless. Number nine, uh, in terms of our arguments, therefore, we claim Jesus is God. And uh, we don't have time to unpack that one, but uh, Jesus is indeed God. He's Alpha and Omega. Um, In in connection to the Old Testament chapter, Isaiah 44 and 6, uh, he is the I am, as I stated, Exodus 3, 
and 14. So Jesus is God, and only God is, um, is, is sinless. And as a sinless person, he's the only one that can um, buy us back off of the sin market, as the, uh, as the Bible tells us. Jesus is the only one that's qualified to die for us. Number 10 in this argument, whatever Jesus, who is God, says is true. Since we have proven that Jesus is the Son of God, then whatever he teaches has to be true. God cannot lie, 1 Peter 2.22. So we must believe what he teaches us. Number 11, Jesus taught that the Bible is the Word of God, and he did. If you look at Matthew 4 and 4, where he says, I'm paraphrasing, that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of, out of, out of the Word of God. In Matthew 5.17, he did not come to abolish the law, he says, but to fulfill it. So Jesus taught that the Bible is the Word of God. And then finally, therefore, if the Bible is the Word of God, this is number 12, if the Bible is the Word of God, then whatever uh, comes against it has to be false. If the, if the Bible is the Word of God, which is true, then whatever opposes it has to be false. So those are the 12 arguments for Christianity. I know we rushed through it, but if you want uh, more information on if you want a copy, uh, then uh, you can email me at info at srministries.org. And as I said, this uh, month is going to be a special month where I highlight some of the old shows that we presented uh, some years back, uh, just so you all can be refreshed. And also, uh, in anticipation of our upcoming fundraiser on May 5th, uh, if you'd like to give, then please go to srministries.org, our website, srministries.org. We do need your support. Um, we have a huge sum to make up, so please uh, consider becoming a monthly giver, a monthly donor. Uh, your donation will help us to train more Christians. It will help us to reach more churches uh, so that everyone will be able to rightly divide the Word of God. And then if you're in the Sacramento region, uh, join us for the night of worship as a fundraiser on May 5th. Uh, go on our website to register. Remember, do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, there's nothing in this world that he cannot do if we truly allow his love. We can do nothing without him. Anything that we do apart from him is not something that's permanent. We all need his grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. 
You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.